And ladies and gentlemen, he's one of the all-time greats, my buddy, Mr. John Wayne. You're listening to the John Wayne Gritcast with me, Ethan Wayne. The hell I was We're talking all about the life and legacy of my father. John Wayne. Mr. John Wayne. John Wayne is the United States of America. Slap some bacon on a biscuit and let's go. Hey, everybody. Today, I'm talking to Mark Riddell. Mark Riddell was a successful actor and director. He came out of the Actors Studio in New York with Sidney Pollock, Steve McQueen, Marlon Brando, bunch of the greats. Uh, he moved out west and was a successful actor. He wanted to direct, so he started directing. He fell in love with the story, was able to acquire it and control it. He got it produced. It was called The Cowboys. My father starred in it, and I spent quite a bit of time on the set. I haven't seen Mark since I was 10 years old, so I'm really excited to talk to him about his life and what his experience was like working with John Wayne for the first time. So I hope you enjoy. This room has memories you wouldn't believe. And I, didn't under, I didn't realize that this has been here since 1967. I was, I was the moderator here in 1967. Really? So when I read about plays that you'd done with, um, with uh, uh, Roscoe Lee Brown, Roscoe Lee Brown, uh, it talked about you directing him in a play prior to the Cowboys. Was that here in this area? Yeah. L.A.? Did we shoot the Cowboys? No, we shot the Cowboys in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and in Colorado. Right. 102-day shooting schedule. Wow. 1,500 head of cattle every day and 100 horses. Wow. And really a big crew. It was a big deal. And meeting your old man was spectacular. I also read that you weren't, you weren't, it was your picture. You got this picture written and you were directing it. And you didn't want him originally for the part. You wanted George C. Scott. That was my first thought. Right. But then they said John Wayne. I said, unbelievable. I, what happened was some, an agent brought this book to me about um, this rancher whose hands left to go to a gold strike or something to make gold. They wanted to be part of a gold strike. And he was about to take 1,500 head of cattle plus 100 horses to market, which is what he was doing for, for a living. So he was stuck, right? So he decided to take kids. It was unbelievable, and, it, and you were there. I was there, yeah. I was with my dad, and there was also a writer there who was writing a biography on my father named Wayne Warga. Do you remember him? I don't, I don't. He, the time that I was there, he lived in the, in the home that my father rented, so we were all three together. Wow. And they would talk, and they would let me drive them to the set, or part of the way to the set. So I <laughs> loved it because I got to drive this car on the dirt roads out to, to wherever we were filming. I remember you were much smaller. Yeah. Only, how old yeah. were you, 10? I was probably 10, yeah. And I just turned 60 last month last week i don't know something like that I'm so not, i'm going to be 93 in a week come on 93 years you look old. fantastic mark can you believe it you're in great shape in a week i'm going to be 93 wow yeah you look terrific it's all a bullshit i think the trick is just to not eat anything bad for you except whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> How did you, a young man from New York originally, right? Right, exactly. Uh, you worked as an actor? Oh, yeah, for a long uh, time. Not, not really. On Broadway, and I had a soap opera, As the World Turns. I read that. And I did a, you know, a lot, I had a whole career as an actor. I did uh -huh. a number of Broadway plays. But I decided I wanted to be the boss. And, uh, and it all worked. Somehow it worked. I made a lot of pictures. Thirteen. Well, and you went from, you know, westerns weren't really your genre. What? Westerns weren't really your genre, right? Well, I had done, well, I mean, no, until you got I to learned the it gun from Gunsmoke. Yeah, from the Gunsmokes. As a director. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, 
<laughs> that, that's interesting because it's it's uh, you got so much in the Cowboys from my father, and I, I've watched it recently. And when I watch the Cowboys, it really reminds me of the dad that I had, the way he looks at the boys, the way he counsels them. He fell them. in love with those boys, you know. And that was what that was the 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 basic undercurrent story, aside from all taking. 1,500 cattle, uh, cattle to market, he fell in love with kids. Yeah. And, and you he was, were there. He was proud of them, and he showed pride in, you know, when they learned something or when they progressed. It was, uh, to me, what I see is I see uh, a man who knows how to be a leader, and he knows he's leading young people, so he's reserving a portion of, like a father has to reserve a portion of himself from his kids because he, he can't be their friend till they're older. He's got to be their father first. Right, maybe. exactly. And uh, so I, I see that in that film, and then I see it that. It works too, doesn't it? it it's, an, it's an amazing movie. It's because, one of my. You know why? Because he fell in love with the kids. All right. And they went crazy for him. These were boys aged from 9 to 14. Uh-huh. You know, that's the oldest, was 14, 15 years old. And they all fell in love with him, you know, and he was, he was surprised at that, you know. Hmm. And he, by the time we were halfway through the picture, he would have killed for those kids. Yeah, I'm sure. And he sure impressed me. And how was it working with him? Was well, you it know, a little dicey at first. When I started, when I, the guy gave me a book, The Cowboys, and I read this story about a man who loses his ranch hands who are going to a gold strike and they want to make, and he's about to take 1,500 head of cattle plus 100 horses to market, to sell them. And, and someone says to him, go to the school and see if you can get the kids. Slim Pickens. Uh, yes, Slim Pickens. Uh, Slim Pickens takes him out there? The scenes between him and Slim Pickens are some of my favorite. I mean, you, you made a fantastic <laughs> film. For me, as, as this guy's kid, when I watch that movie, you give me back my father for oh, a period great. of time. That's great. I'm so glad because I'm giving you a gift. Yes, you, you well, are. He was, he was, uh, he blew my mind. I'm telling you, I had no idea that I was going to be working with John Wayne. My first thought was, um, uh, who did I think of? I don't know. George C. Scott, I read. George C. Scott. And they said, John Wayne. I said, John Wayne, you know, who was conservative politically, and I was a borderline communist, for (laughs) Christ's sake. And I said, how are we going to possibly get, when I went to see him, where where was the house? Newport Beach. Newport Beach. I went to see him in Newport Beach. I said, how are we going to work together? I'm I'm a Jew. I'm, 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 I'm a left-wing, you're a right-wing hero, and I'm a borderline communist. How are we going to work? He says, tell me how to act, he said to me. For great. He said, well, that I know how to do. One thing that I didn't pick up from my father as a young boy, but I've learned over time, especially you know, having a conversation with you, is that he, he had his own beliefs, and, and they were strong beliefs, but he was always open to other people's beliefs because he wanted to learn from them. If you felt a certain way, Mark, he'd want to talk to you to understand why you felt that way because maybe he would absorb some of that. And I can also remember him saying, I thought of myself as a liberal. Everybody calls me a conservative, but I'm a liberal. I just, you know, I, I look at the subject, I read both sides, and I make up my own mind. He goes, I don't vote for the party, I vote for the man. You know, so he would vote across party lines, but I thought it was unique that you were liberal, he was conservative, and you guys came together and made it work. Was it, was it hard to direct him? No, not at all. You'd just give him feedback and he, he would... He some, for some cockeyed reason, he believed in me. So he listened to what I said. And it was, it was because I was concerned. After all, he was a giant star. And I was, you know, I made a couple of pictures and I was doing okay. But I, I mean, he was, uh, when, when Warner Brothers said to me, John Wayne, I went, oh, 
shit. How can I possibly work with this guy? I was stunned, and it worked like a chung. 102 days that I'll remember for the rest of my life. Well, I was there for I don't know how many, but it was a great location. It was. You were a boy. I was a boy, and I had a great time running around that set. And I loved the kids, too. They were nice to me. You know, they were all Well, it, it was a great experience for everybody. Yeah, and what do we have, the 50th anniversary of this film coming up? Is it? Yeah, 50th anniversary. Wow. I can't believe it. 50th anniversary. Of how, was, uh, how was Steve McQueen? Difficult. Really? Oh, <laughs> no. I went to school with him at the neighborhood playhouse. I see. And uh, a week after he went to Hollywood, we were we graduated from the neighborhood playhouse. Uh, he went. He moved to California. Within a month, he was the star of a TV series, Wanted Dead or Alive. Wow. And I came out, and he he. he he grabbed me, he saw me, he said, oh my God, I got a great part for you. I said, terrific. And I, he says, can you ride? <laughs> I said, I, I don't know, I don't think I've ever tried it. He goes, oh my God, because it's, the, the script was about two people, I mean, a lot of riding, and yeah. I was chasing him. And I, went, I said, how am I gonna do that? He says, don't worry. I'll teach you how to ride. And he took me to, to uh, some place in the valley where there was a, 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 a ranch and he got me on a horse and it was the first time I'd never, the closest I'd been to a horse before that was to a theater cop in New York in Manhattan. Wow. And suddenly I'm riding and, uh, and we go to the first, the first day of shooting We arrive at the location, and there's a mountain about 1,000, 1,500 feet high. And the, the director says, uh, go up to the top of that mountain, and you ride down, and you, <laughs> you ride fast, so Steve has to chase you to be with you. I said, I've never been on a horse. Steve said, don't worry, I'll take care of it. And we went out to the valley the next Saturday and Sunday, and he had me on a horse and all that. Now it's the first day of shooting. Go up, start up there. I said, what do you mean? There's no path, there's nothing, it's rocks and boulders and... Steve said, don't worry, I'll take care of it. We, so we ride, I get on the horse and we go up to the top of this mountain. At, and we're supposed to, the, the idea of the scene was that I was going too fast and he was saying, stop, stop, I want to talk to you. And we had a scene, a, a conversation. And so it was time to start and I'm on a horse. I've never been ridden before and all of a sudden they shoot a gun, which means action, because they're that far away. And my horse starts to ride crazy. <laughs> And I'm, go you know, it's easier to ride a horse when he's galloping than if he's walking. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I'm, I was going down. Was all, I thought, holy shit, I can do this. I can't believe it. We get to the bottom of the, and, and the camera's sitting there, and we pull up together. He's yelling to me, stop, stop, stop. And I, uh, he says, he starts the dialogue, and I said, Cut. You have to do it again. Mark, don't you know the dialogue? I know the dialogue, but I, I never rode a horse before. Oh my God, that was, what an experience. It was sensational. Sensational. And of course, later on with, with your old man, was was a great experience for me. Well, there, there's a picture of him from the Cowboys where he's in the, in the herd of horses running and he's got a rope, you know, and, and it's, I don't know, what's early in the morning, you guys are shooting and he's 67, 68 years old and he's out there riding, you know, and, I, and I'm looking at this picture when I took over a company 10 years ago <laughs> and I thought, that's the guy who we're representing and so we've got to get away from 
these little collectible things, you know, like I get it, there's a point for that, but we've got to do something to bring some products to market that are a bit more representative of that guy, because that was my dad. He, you know, he wasn't retired. He's almost 70, and there he is charging across those. He was those open fields. Amazing. Great guy. Blew my mind. When you, when you did the Reavers with Steve McQueen, was that years after you guys had come to California? Yeah. I, I was, I was, I came to California, I was directing television. Mm -hmm. He sees me on the street, by then he was already a star. Yeah. He says, I got a great job for you. Can you ride? I said, well, I've never been on a horse, but I, maybe I can ride. He said, well, don't worry, I'll take you to, I'll, I'll take you out this weekend and I'll teach you how to ride. So we go out for the weekend and he points to a big kind of mountain. He says, let's walk up there now. You know, when you with a horse walking up, it was fine. And we're supposed to ride down. I'm supposed to be riding very fast, faster than him. And he's supposed to stop me where the camera is, you know. And I said, you mean I have to? You know, there was no path or anything. It was like boulders and... So they yell action, and I'm sitting there on my horse, and Steve says, go, go, go ahead. Really? Okay. Well, you know, when, when a horse is, as you probably know, if you're going fast, it's easier than when he's just walking. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, I'm going down this hill with Steve yelling at me as a, uh, the script, stop, stop, you're going too fast. And I pulled up on the reins, and we stopped at the right place. And he says his line to me, and I went, "Let's not do that again." <laughs> he scared me to death. Uh, well, horses are, you know, big, frightening animals. But look, by the time we finished 102 days of shooting. Well, no, that was on the Cowboys. Yeah, thing. yeah. What, what I, I don't remember how many days we shot with Steve McQueen, but I, I became a cowboy overnight. It's good. <laughs> I think that's how it happened. Well, I guess my dad rode a horse to school, but he used to go to the place in the valley to practice as well. Yeah. When he hadn't been riding for a while, he'd go to that place, and I can't think of the name of it, but I know what you're talking about, and he would spend a couple weeks getting back into it. McQueen and I went to the neighborhood playhouse together. That's yeah. how we knew each other. Studying acting with Sandy Meisner in New York. You know, uh, I was on a soap opera of As the World Turns. Mm -hmm. and uh, I was on a soap opera. You were? Yeah, for Which two years. One? It was called The Bold and the Beautiful. <laughs> it, I was on the first two years of it. It's still, still going. God, I did it for six and a half years. Yeah. Paid for my psychoanalysis. <laughs> which it was I fun. Need, it was really which I needed. It was really fun. <laughs> Mark, do you remember the Ravages? The Ravages, of yeah, course. They wrote the Cowboys. Yeah, the Irving Ravage and Harriet Frank Jr. Oh yeah. I I went to them, and I had a guy gave me this book, and I read the we start to read the book. It's been sitting on my desk for a couple of weeks. And didn't and you buy the rights to the book? You had to go to your mother and borrow the money. I can't hear you. Did you, you. Didn't you have to go to your mother and borrow the money to write to uh, yeah, well, the rights to So the I decide that I want to, I know what Hollywood's like. They're going to take this book that I love and they're going to take it away. And I'm, because I have no experience in a big picture like this. So I'm going to make sure that it's mine. So I called my mother. I said, I need $10,000. She said, what? <laughs> Send me a check. For I'll give it to you in two weeks. So she sends me a check for wow. $10,000. And I buy this book. And I went to John Kelly at Warner Brothers. And I gave him the, I don't know how, how it was so arrogant. I gave him the book and I said, it's Friday. If you don't tell, give me a green light by Monday, I'm going to another studio. I don't know where I had the guts to say that, but 
he had everybody read it over the weekend, and he had, we had a deal on Monday. Incredible. And you're directing a major motion picture. Yeah, a monster picture, right, exactly. With, oh my God, it was, but it was fabulous. I, I, I was so lucky to, to get the, to own the material was the answer. Mm -hmm. Because I know if I didn't own the material, they would have gone to a, an experienced uh, director who was, knows how to make a big picture like that. Mm. But I managed to do it. How did you get the Reavers? Was that after the Cowboys or before? Before. Before? I took Rupert Cross, who was six foot four, and Steve was five eight. And I knew that he was not gonna like that because it was all about the two of them being together throughout the picture. Right. And you'd have this, right? And I knew he wouldn't like it. But I said, you gotta take a chance. So we go to a restaurant, I introduce him to to, to uh, Rupert. Rupert Cross, and we go to a restaurant for dinner, and I, I can see he's going like this to me, you know. This isn't gonna work. What about when you went up to Steve's house, Mark, and to introduce him for the first time, and, and Steve was showing Rupert some karate move or something, and it turns out Rupert was a, like a black belt, and corrected Oh, wow. Him. And Steve said, and you, and, uh, now I'm trying to sell Rupert Cross, who's six, two, six, three, to Steve, who's five, eight, right? right? And uh, Steve starts to talk to Rupert and starts to do this stuff and show how he was doing this <laughs> stuff. And Rupert said, "That's don't don't do it like that. You're going to get hurt." Steve said, "Oh, really? Show me." So Rupert Cross, black. Actor, no, no jobs, barely a couple of jobs. Play opposite Steve McQueen. He gets up, and Steve says, "Show me how 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 to do it." He says, "Well, come at me." So Steve comes at him, you know, theater, and he, Rupert, it, it had him flying across the room under a table. I mean, at ten feet, he threw him off. He got up. Steve got up walked over to me and said, okay. Wow. He said, he's great. Wow. And they were great together. And they all got along through the got film. got along great. He, in that, you had a white guy and a black guy and a kid. Right. In, in the Reavers. Yeah, right, exactly. Was, and they take this yellow Winton Flyer yeah. car, 1905 car, convertible, and they, they ride from wherever they are in, oh, I think, Oklahoma to Mississippi where Steve wants to visit his girlfriend who's a prostitute in a whorehouse. <laughs> and that was, was a great picture. It was terrific. It was fun. I loved that. It was fun. Of it. It, was a, it, was a, it had like a brightness to it. It was, um, I don't know, there was a lot of colors in it. it the, was, there was the yellow, yeah. the yellow car. Steve had bright clothes. The, green background, good dirt. It's one thing I remembered about the Cowboys was for some reason as a little boy, I would remember the dirt and I loved the dirt in New Mexico. <laughs> kind of a red dirt, great green bushes around. Yeah, it was beautiful. Always oh, terrific. Well, it was a sensational experience. Remember all the kids, Mark and the Cowboys, fell so in love with John Wayne that they started climbing over him and Mark said, you said he turned, John Wayne turned himself into a jungle gym. And so the boys could climb all over him and sit on his lap. And Mark was very was, It was incredible. You watch your old man fall in love with these kids. And the kids, of course, worshipped him. And it was so fantastic because that was what the, the picture was about underneath the, the, the conventional story of it, you know was really about the fact that he fell in love with these kids mm. and they fell in love with him. And it happened. How did you cast all those kids? Just here in LA? Yeah, I went to a bunch of them were rodeo kids. Mm -hmm. People, kids who were in families who were ro rodeo. Cowboys, they're real cowboys. Real yeah. cowboys. And the others, we all went, I hired a whole bunch of kids. We went to 
the valley and every day for about a month we worked on riding. We had a teacher who, was, who taught us all to ride. Mm-hmm. And were the, in the original book, were the personalities called out so different? Like it was such a unique group of, you get the chubby kid, you get the little kid and the string bean guy. No, and the, no, I, can't, I was good at casting. It was great. I got the right people. And so the, those they, characters developed sort of in the script, or they, the kids fell in love with him, and he fell in love. That's the thing that was the surprise. Yeah. He fell in love with the kids. Suddenly he had a bunch of kids were his children. Yeah, and you were there. Yeah, you were what? Yeah. How old? I was probably ten. Ten. How do you like that? Ten yeah. year old. Yeah. And look at him now, sixty. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Listen, up. don't don't go like that. I'm 93. I feel good at 60. I, I feel good, probably better than 40. You know, <laughs> I'm eating good. I exercise. I feel pretty good. I remember you very well. Yeah. Where, was there a? I don't remember what town we were in. Was there a town where you were filming? Or were you just in, in, in Santa Fe, we filmed, okay. and in Colorado. Okay. Boulder, Colorado, and oh. Santa Fe, New Mexico. Yeah. And I had never been on a, a horse. Was a was something that a, a policeman rode. Yeah, no, I get it. From coming from New York. Well, you did an amazing <laughs> job. It's one of my favorite movies, and it's some of my favorite mem- life memories were were being there. I liked the. Uh, the writer that was doing the biography of my father. We right. were all living together there. And years later, I never heard anything about that biography. And years later, when I took over a family business, we had a bunch of stuff in storage, okay? And so I went there and it was this massive collection of texture materials and personal effects and professional stuff. Right, 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 right. So in that archive, I found an unfinished biography from Wayne Warga. You're kidding. No. And, uh, you know, my parents were going through a a tough time after that film. And my dad put the project on hold. And it says in there, like, I I put the project on hold because I don't like the ending yet. Uh So I'm going to wait for a better ending. Okay. Uh, And then it also talks about somebody had asked him, why do you take the boy out of school? Like, why do you take? And he said, I'm older. I'm what? He said he was older. Yeah. And he kept me with him because at a certain point... I would wander off as a teenager and I wouldn't come back to him till I was in my 30s. So he kept me with him during that period because he knew he wouldn't be there when I finally came back. What's your favorite movie that you directed? What? What's your favorite film that you directed or? The Rose is good. The Rose? Bette Midler, I found her. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, listen, I made, what? 13 films. Wow. Over 20 years. Where'd you I've find had a good career? I can't complain. No, you had a fantastic career. You got to work both sides. You had to work in front of the camera. You transitioned that's behind right. the camera. You became the boss of the. But a highlight of the was group. the old man. Well, that's good. He was the. I was so stunned when I met him, and we and we hit it off right away. I, I think he he was probably pretending that he, he that he was he believed in me. He read a couple of pictures of mine, and he said yes. Yeah, we used to run the films at his house. He had, uh, I still have the projectors from, he had a den, you know, and he had a bookshelf with the projectors behind the bookshelf, the little windows that would come out, and and the original projectors were those, I don't know what they call them, they had like a tungsten rod that would burn, and you had to keep the film going, or it would melt the film. Yeah, they had big heat stacks that went out the roof. We still have them. Well, it, it was a very sensitive film. Uh, it showed. It, it just showed a lot of. It showed a lot of great qualities in my father. You, you did a, a great job on it, and he did a great job in the He's, film. He, when he was dying, and the kids are surrounding him, he started to weep. You know. He was captured by the film. Mm. He fell in love with the kids. He fell in love with the story, and he fell in love with me. Thank God. Wow. Made my career. 
you know, have a hit like that. We opened at the Radio City Music Hall. Wow. 6,000 people. Really? In that, that's how many people sat there. Wow. See, and, and all those girls, the, they were, you know, when you went to Radio City Music Hall, there was a picture and then there was about 20 dancers mm-hmm. and they did a show with a comic and all that. And all those girls were there, they saw John Wayne, they were just, well, he was such a powerful figure. Yeah, he was. He was. I wish I had more time with him. Sometimes I'd love to have of an hour course, with him. Of yeah. course. I, I was in Seattle, Washington, I don't know, looking for locations, and he showed up. Hmm. This is after the picture. He wanted to take me on his boat back to, Calif- to California from Seattle. And I couldn't picture him drink, you know, because he, by the way, he did not drink on the picture until at night. And I don't drink. So I was worried, I was worried that we wouldn't get along. And I tell you, he turned himself over to me like a kid, like a 12 year old kid. That's how great he was. And they fell for him, and he fell for them, and the picture worked every day. It was perfect. Does, uh, I have the greatest admiration for him. You have no idea. And I hated his politics. Wow. Well, you guys are an example of how the world needs to work. You can have different <laughs> beliefs and still get along and work we your way through. We did great. We did great together. Yeah. I loved him. I can't tell you how much I loved him. Well, thank you. I'm shifting gears a little bit because I'm, I'm interested in Bette Midler and how you found her. What about Bette Midler? Well, when you did The Rose, yeah. how did you find her? Was she just in the casting she was process? Playing, she was playing in a, uh, on 56th Street between 5th and 6th Avenues in New York in a little nightclub. I went in there and I happened to go in there and she, she was an unknown and she would get up and say, she sang. Wow. And I said, holy Christ, yeah. she's sensational. So I go to the studio, I said, Bette Midler. They said, what, who, what? I said, Bette Midler. Oh, no, no, we want a star. I said, I said, Bette Midler. I own the material. And I, somewhere I had the courage to face down these, these uh, executives who were ready to dismiss me. But they, after the first two days of shooting, they called me and said, we apologize. Wow. Well, she was great. Yeah. It made her career, the Rose. Yeah. And she really was spectacular. Because it's, it's one of those films that t- takes your, you, you, you don't realize it, you know, and then when you hear her open up, you go, oh my gosh, that's a huge well, she, talent. She was amazing. Not just a singing talent, but a terrific actress, too. Yes, absolutely. Well, I was good at that. I was good at helping her. I, you know, I'd been in the, I was conducting sessions at the actor's studio from, and I went to the Namewood Playhouse School of Theater. I was, I was with Sandy Meisner and Bobby Lewis and Lee Strasberg and Kazan. And I, so I trained properly. And uh, I knew what I was doing, thank mm. God. Well, the chair you're sitting in has your name on a brass plaque. <laughs> so they, they must like you here. I know there was somebody else I wanted to ask you about who I really uh, liked is Sidney Pollock. I liked his films and my I liked partner. him as an actor. My partner. Really? How, did, that, how partner. did you guys get together? We grew up together, went to the Neighborhood Playhouse together. Really? And studied with Sandy Meisner. And uh, he came, he got, early on, he worked for John Frankenheimer as an assistant. Mm. And he recommended me, and before you knew it, I was in California, and I, I was starting to direct Ben Casey. Right. And Gunsmoke. Yeah. And that's how I learned. Hmm. Uh, Mark, do you want to talk about when you first worked with Roscoe Lee Brown, who you cast When what? Say it again. When did you first work with Roscoe Lee Brown? When, when you directed, when you were at the studio and you, instead of acting, you directed a scene with 
Roscoe Lee Brown. Remember the boat and you had the sounds of the water and Lee Strasberg said to you, you should be a director. You, and that was Roscoe Lee Brown and a scene that you directed at the Actors Studio. Do you remember that? I do remember it. I do, and I sold him to, uh, to everybody. This wow. unknown guy. He, and he got nominated too, his first picture. He was terrific. Wasn't he great? Yeah, he was terrific. He was brilliant too. He was an he was a English teacher. He, he taught English, advanced English in London, and he was an actor. His voice was incredible. Incredible, and I read a story where you directed him in a in a play or in a film where he was like a, a crab fisherman or a shrimper or something down down on the beach somewhere, and he had to he had to speak in like um, some kind of a dialect, a very simple dialect. And then when people saw him after the play, I think it was a play, they were amazed well, at his he eloquence and yes. his his voice. Well, he sounded like he sounded like a like a an English. Star, yeah, you know, yeah, and he was in a sense. Mm. He was an amazing actor. When I brought <laughs> you're you're jogging my memory about working with him. He was sensational. Listen, what can I tell you? He's gone. Yeah, did he get along with my dad? Did they get along? Abs okay, perfect. Yeah. Perfectly. My memory is a little boy's memory is that they got along well. They did. They did. And they loved him. Well, Roscoe Lee Brown was brilliant, and he and your father saw that he was brilliant, mm. and respected him highly. We had a great time. A hundred and two days we shot. Yeah, hundred and two days. That seems like a pretty long one. It was long, yeah. But it was difficult. It was a very difficult picture. A lot of, you know, fifteen hundred head of cattle every day, hundred horses, a lot of wranglers. I mean, it was expensive. Yeah, I'm surprised that you pulled that off. Like you're, I don't know how I did it. Because <laughs> you, you know, you must have gotten a healthy budget for that film. Because you got to pay well, him, I and then you got to. I remember what it cost. In those days, it wasn't. It was a very expensive picture, but I think in those days, $10 million was expensive. Yeah. yeah. Nobody made pictures for 10 million. With two million, was in 50 years ago, if you made a picture, you had a budget of two million, they were going, oh, can't you make it a million seven? <laughs> and this, uh, it, was, it was an incredible, memorable experience. Every day I think about it. Every day. Wow. That's how, what you, how, how much of an impact your father had on me. How was it for you? For me, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't come to him through the screen. Like most people came to him through this, that screen movies, presentation, yeah. you know, the movies. So he had a, a different effect on them. He was my dad, and I loved my dad, and I loved being with him. I liked being on that boat, and I liked being on location. But I didn't... Um, you were like this. Yeah, I, I don't know how many of those lessons I absorbed as a young man. I'm absorbing them now as an older man. But I don't know that I... I don't know that I didn't, but I don't have strong recollections of him saying, this is the way you do it. He just sort of went and expected you to pick up on things and be alert and aware and, and have your what, stuff what, ready that's and if you weren't ready you're going anyway exactly what you were describing is how he handled all those children really and they worshipped him they worshipped him yeah I loved my father I mean I, I wanted to always be hanging on my dad I loved it and I think he I think he liked it too you know he was, what, you he was very the, affectionate remember the destroyer that he had yeah the wild goose the, uh, half they, my life they on gave that him boat. a destroyer the government gave him a destroyer <laughs> and he had it remodeled into a luxury yacht I was on it yeah he want, and I, I saw him in, I was in Seattle after mm -hmm. the picture was over and he came out of a store and all of a sudden we were there t together and he said come on, I'll take you on, on my boat I'll take you back to LA 
and I didn't want to because I didn't want to, I don't drink. Mm. And I knew that he would drink, you know, he never drank during the picture. Right. Not once, you know. But I know that he drank a lot when he was yeah. social. Yeah. So I, I said, I can't, I'm busy. I'm now, sorry I didn't go with him. <laughs> somebody, I, I spoke to somebody who was younger when they met him, and, and he said the same thing to this young man. He said, uh, why don't you join us, and we're going to take the wild goose down to Mexico. <laughs> and the guy said, oh, geez, I don't know. He said, hey, kid, when in your life are you going to be able to go on John Wayne's boat to Mexico with John Wayne? And the kid <laughs> went, you're right, I'll go. And he said they had a terrific trip. How was... Um, Slim Pickens. Oh, wow, well, he's fabulous. He was? Because yeah. I, I, I don't remember him. I, I didn't know him, but he just seems like a terrific guy. He was guy. a terrific guy. They were very close. Were they? Yeah, they became very close. It, it, you know, I didn't hire anybody he knew. I, he tried to get me to hire his crew. I said, no, mm. no, I'm going to pick the crew. And I hired a bunch of... Uh, hot kind of terrific people who were lot, some of them were beginners but they were they were devoted to him mm. and the picture went like couldn't there wasn't one problem throughout the whole picture I don't today I don't see as unique a set of characters that I that you would see in the, say, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, like Slim Pickens. How do you find a, who's Slim Pickens today? How do you find a guy like that, so unique? I, I just don't know. He who... recommended Slim Pickens he for did? that part. Wow. And I said, and I met with Slim Pickens, and I thought, okay, he's, you know, he's, he loves Duke, and uh, what's the matter with having that? Yeah. I tell you, the 102 perfect days. Wow. Did you ever see The Quiet Man? Yes, of course. Okay. So it's the 70th anniversary of The Quiet Man, and they're going to be airing it in theaters this weekend? Sunday, Is that... today, or Thursday and Sunday. Thursday and Sunday at theaters all over the country, they're going to put The Quiet Man up on the big screen for How the fabulous. 70th How anniversary. terrific. And that's another film that I look at, and I go, okay, you have John Wayne, but then you have Victor McGlaglan, and you have, uh, I can't think of the, uh, the little Irish man's name, and Ward Bond, and you had some real strong character actors. He, he tried to get them all on the picture. I he said, did? no. Oh. I said, no, I'm going to cast the picture, not you. Well, you did a great job. I did. Yeah. But I, I took a chance. I wanted him to know that I was going to be helpful, that I was going to put, put people in the picture that he didn't know but were brilliant. Mm. And Bruce Stern was he, fantastic. He, he gave in to me. I gotta say, he turned over, he turned himself over to me. Did, uh, did Bruce Stern and him get along on the set? Yeah, they got along, but uh, they, was difficult. Bruce, you know, was, Bruce said I ruined his career. <laughs> Because he had to kill John Wayne. He's been working. He's been working every day since. So I think he's doing okay. He was in the actor's studio with me. That's how I hired him. Everybody came from the actor's studio. Listen, that whole picture was a joy to make. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Mm. And that's not much longer to live. <laughs> you're, you're looking good, Mark. Ninety-three. I, I heard that Mark uh, that uh, Bruce Stern would jog to the set. He was a long-distance runner. And he. And the set would be six miles away, and he would jog to the set. Wow. From Malibu, that's where he lived. He, he was terrific. When, he, when I contradicted him, he saw that I was going to direct the picture, that he was not going to direct the mm. picture. I don't know where I got the guts to do it, because I was scared of him. Well, and I also think he would push people. And he would want you to stick up for yourself and to make your own choices. That's but he correct. would he would push you. That's correct. And if somebody failed to stand up, then he didn't give them as much respect. He, did, he didn't respect them. Or maybe he was concerned about their ability to lead if that intimidation worked. I was so impressed with him. 
in the one of the first scenes in the picture, he was fighting with a horse. Yeah. In the corral, mm -hmm. and I, I couldn't believe how he did it, man. This horse was crazy, you know. And he was, you know, he was older, and he had one lung, and a. Amazing, you know. amazing, but he did it. Uh, what was your favorite acting job? Long Goodbye. The Long Goodbye? <laughs> Elliot Gould is so unique, you know? You see people like that pop up, and you were great with them, you know? You are terrific. I had a good time. Nice bad guy. <laughs> really a bad guy. People, like, people I, still come up to him all the time in a restaurant and say the line, I don't even, you, I, she I love, and I don't even like you. And then they do that like they're going to rip his nose open. They wow. still say that, that one. Because you played Meyer Lansky? Is that who it was? What? Um, we, I, I don't know if I remember the name of the character, but it was with Robert Altman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's where he and Robert Altman, remember you, uh, Mark, you and Bob Altman used to get together and make up stuff like who was going to be the waitress and her name was going to be Joanne and then your wife was Joanne at the time she got very upset because she thought you were because you ripped the nose of the girl who was named Joanne and then they all looked the whole film on the <laughs> You know, I was going to take um, his wife to lunch because he had died and his wife was a terrific lady and I was going to take her to lunch and I arrived at our hotel and they said that she had died that oh, night. No. I was going to pick her up and take her to lunch. Oh, no. Jeez. Oh, well. Life is precious. We only have so much time. We might as well try to get along and have some fun. Well, we're doing that. Yeah, we are. We're doing it right now. I'm having fun. So you liked the long goodbye. That was a great part. It was a terrific part, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and I, I felt like that whole period... Elliot Gould was, a, was an anomaly to me. I watched that movie and I can barely understand the first 10 minutes of it because he's we got a went, cigarette, Bob, he's mumbling. Bob and I go to dinner. And the waitress comes over and it's a beautiful girl. And he says to me, that's the girl you're going to hit in the face. I said, what? He says, I've got a scene where I want you to hit her, hit her in the face with a bottle. This beautiful waitress, he hires her right on the spot. And then comes this scene, and he tells me to take a bottle, a bottle of well, vodka. hit her in the face with it. I said, you're kidding. And so they had a bottle that was, you know, that could break away. And, and we did it and it was, I can't tell you how people have mentioned that moment as the cruelest moment they'd ever seen in a film where I hit her in the face with a bottle. My girlfriend. It's a rough one. And to, she, to, and to she Huh? And she, you loved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That was the line. Yes. See that woman? I loved. Uh, she, you I don't like. She, I loved. Wow. <laughs> that's pretty good. She, I loved. You don't, you, you I don't even like. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it, that reminds me of uh, just when we first watched the Cowboys at my dad's house. Uh, he would sit on a back couch and then. The kids would sit, we'd turn the other couch around so there'd be a big couch back here and a smaller couch in front. The kids all sat up there. I was 10 or 11. I have a little sister born on the same day as me, four years younger. So she's, you know, what? Huh? Yeah, she's five or six. And uh, when Bruce Dern and my father have the scene where he ultimately kills John Kills Wayne, your father. My sister's this close to my father she loses her mind. I mean, she just is hysterical, unconsolable, uh, you know, screaming and crying, and, and my dad goes, oh gosh, stop the movie, you know, come here, honey, it's okay, I'm right here. She, she was unconsolable, because it was such a, just the, the way, it, it was like a slap in the face. It was like getting hit with that bottle. Nobody had the gall to kill John Wayne, they said, 
what are you going to, are you going to shoot him? I said, I'm not only am I going to shoot him, I'm going to shoot him many times. And it wasn't the end of the film either, <laughs> no, right? No. So there's still a bunch of movie left. It worked, though. No, it's fantastic, and it you know it makes you love Brewster, him. Bruce Stern said I ruined his career because I had him kill John Wayne. Everybody hated him. <laughs> I, I understand people hated him, but he's had a very good career. Yeah, he's, right, great, he he's still working. Yes, he is. He's still working. Yeah. Well, gosh, Mark, I I appreciate this. You. Is, this was a pleasure. It was a conversation. Taking the time and telling us, you know, some of your history. And I enjoyed doing it. I love talking about it. I still want to hear about your soap opera days. How did, how did they film yours? Was it on film or was it video? When I did what? A soap opera. Yeah, it was live. Live? A broadcast live, live. show. Okay. 1.30 to 2. Wow. Half hour live television. No do-overs. You, you got there the day before you rehearsed for... A few hours, you went through the lines, and the next day you shot. Wow. Well, you certainly had an interesting life, and, and so many of you came out of that, I guess, one class of, of people from the actor's studio? It was great. It was a great place. And there were, you know, there were a bunch of us that all became big. Yeah. Yeah, really incredible. Well, this has been pleasure. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. It's good to see you after all these years. Well, I'm delighted to be here with you. Yeah, we're not going to wait this long for the next meeting. We'll have lunch. Thank you so much for listening to the John Wayne Gritcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you like what you heard, give us five stars in the Apple Podcast app and follow us on social media at John Wayne Official. Slap some bacon on a biscuit and let's go!